speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. May I speak in the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, I see that there was a comment wondering if I would preach from the second reading, that reading from 1 Corinthians. Um, uh, I'm going to hold off and lead that one to your own personal devotion and private study this week. So imagine staring down at a city on a clear day from atop a mountain, the highest point within 60 miles. You can see far into the horizon, but only hear the sounds nearby, perhaps a chirping bird or a gust of wind. In the deep sea, the rules are reversed. Standing on a ridge several thousand feet underwater, Peering out to the ocean's abyssal plain, you would see almost nothing. But if you listened through a hydrophone, you could detect sounds from hundreds of miles away. Echo-locating whales, chattering fish, even the occasional energy pulse from seismic surveys of oil and gas. I read an article in the New York Times back in November called, Could Listening to the Deep Sea Help Save It? The subtitle was what really drew me in. In the abyss, everyone can hear you scream. The article chronicles the work of a Japanese acoustics engineer and deep sea biologist, Dr. Ying Song Lin, whose primary aim is to listen to the deepest and darkest parts of the ocean where life hums along beneath the regions of what the eye can see. Our eyes, after all, need light to see, and light is basically ineffective, much deeper than 600 feet or so below the surface, which is like the shallow end of the ocean. So Lin and his crew drop these acoustical telescopes down, and they're constantly in awe of what they hear. A chorus of fish who strike up their song at sundown as they sing and rise to the surface. The minute and subtle noises of the sailfin catfish or the jackhammer like sounds of the cusk eel or the or the loud snapping sounds emitted from smallmouth fighting marine worms i'd love to know what a fighting marine worm sounded like to help ensure the health of life in the ocean depths to hear the subtle and mesmerizing frequencies of communities some as old as 100 million years you'll need an acoustical telescope, and you'll need your ears opened wide. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. The thing that the living God of the scriptures and the ocean depths have in common is that sight isn't the most effective means into their presence. Remember, Moses was told No human can look on me and live. And thus he was given a view of the back of God. God cannot be seen. And thus we cannot make images of 
the unseen one. In the Jewish imagination, with that which one can see, one can manipulate and control. So goes the wisdom underpinning the second commandment. You cannot see the invisible God, but you can listen for her. You can hear him. The invisible one speaks. The holy one of Israel can only be approached with your ears. Samuel may have been sleeping next to the Ark of the Covenant day in and day out because he thought God might appear there. It would make sense. The Ark is that holy place where God dwells. Samuel may have been looking to see God, but this morning he and we with him learn that holiness is best approached with our ears. You can only listen your way into the eternal presence. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. What I want to suggest to you in our time in God's word this morning is this. While the world might be aroused, awake by prophetic speech, it will be saved by prophetic listening. And listening is hard in our day and age. We, most of us, myself, am slow to listen and quick to speak. We hone our opinions, we sharpen our tongues and our tweets for public engagement. A real part of maturity, so it's called, is finding your own voice. So much of our matriculation is about that. If your high school was like mine, you took a class called public speaking. It's too bad they didn't have another course on public listening. It's just assumed that we will pick this skill up. But it's not so easy. You may remember the story told about Franklin uh, Roosevelt, um, who often endured long receiving lines at the White House. He complained that no one really listened or paid attention to what was said as they moved past him. So one day during a reception, he decided to try an experiment. To each person who passed down the line and shook his hand, he smiled and murmured, I murdered my grandmother this morning. The guests responded with phrases like, Marvelous, keep up the good work. We're proud of you. God bless you, sir. It was not until the end of the line while greeting the ambassador from Bolivia that his words were actually heard. The ambassador leaned over and whispered in his ear, I'm sure she had it coming. This weekend is the weekend we celebrate and draw inspiration from Martin Luther King Jr. King is known and remembered for his one-of-a-kind rhetoric, that marvelous blend of sermon and soul and searing truth. As I do every year this weekend, I pick up his letter from a Birmingham jail, which he penned back in 1963. His voice thunders through that letter, and in some ways the letter reads like the very prophecy that Samuel was called to give to the house of Eli. Eli and his sons had neglected God's word and become sellouts 
to the sin of the status quo. Samuel has a word to deliver, not to the king, not to the foreign ruler, but to the religious person right there at home. And so too King's letter to white clergymen of Birmingham, who had publicly asked him to stop pushing so hard for voters' rights and equal access and an end to segregation. The letter is a masterpiece, an American classic. He reminded his brother clergymen that the earliest Christians were called and known as outside agitators when they protested the Roman practice of infanticide, disturbers of the peace when they breached barriers of gender and class, rich and poor, slave and free. All of humanity, he writes, is woven into a single garment of destiny, which I imagine needs a good shaking every now and again to get rid of the wrinkles. You might say that King was telling his brothers to step up, to take a stand, to speak up. But really, he's indicting them on deeper grounds. In effect, he says, you can't say you're listening to God if you aren't listening to the cries of God's people. You can't say you hear God if you only hear the God you want to hear. White clergymen, King may as well have said, you are listening more to the God of comfort than the God of conversion. You're listening more to the God of cozy feelings than the one who is crucified love. Well, it's not an easy word to hear, surely not, and definitely not for me, a white clergyman from Birmingham. Speak, Lord. Your servants want to get better at listening. In the 1930s, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, German pastor and theologian, took his stand publicly in opposition to Hitler and the rise of the Nazis in Germany. He was, as you know, martyred at the end of the war for his part in an attempt to assassinate Hitler. In the 30s, Bonhoeffer organized an underground seminary in Finkenwald for theological students who shared his commitment to resist the Nazis and proclaim Jesus as Lord. For obvious reasons, the students lived in a close and tight-knit, almost secretive community. Not an easy situation in any circumstance. The health of the community was literally a matter of life and death. One of the out of the experience, Bonhoeffer wrote a remarkable little book, Life Together. One of the sections is entitled, The Ministry of Listening. So we listen to Bonhoeffer. The first service that one owes to others in the fellowship consists in listening. Just as love to God begins with listening to his word, so the beginning of love for the brethren, they were all men in the seminary, is learning to listen to them. It is God's love for us that he not only gives us his word, but also lends us his ear. Bonhoeffer notes that Christians, especially ministers, so often think they must always contribute something when they're in the company of others. They forget that listening 
can be a greater service than speaking. For King and for Bonhoeffer, prophetic speech flows from prophetic listening. So friends, I wonder how God is calling you to listen. I wonder what God is calling you to listen to. Is it to take up a spiritual practice like listening to Holy Scripture? It's one of the places our tradition has assured us that God does speak. Is it to create more space and time in your day to listen to your own soul, maybe through journaling or being more intentional about calling friends? Maybe you spend moments of silence in the morning just letting your body and your mind and your breath sink up. And to close that time, you pick up a phrase and whisper, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And then at the end of the day, before you go to bed, you go through where God was speaking to your heart, what you heard. I was talking to one parishioner yesterday and she was sharing with me her own somewhat lighthearted phrase to live by for the year 2021. You mix the drinks, goes the phrase. You mix the drinks and I'll make the trouble. And her listening to her own spirit, making a little more trouble, might be her way of listening to God. Is it to continue to think and pray and read up on white privilege as our racial justice allies group is doing? That you can continue the work of uncovering what in your past or your social position has made it hard to listen to God revealed in black lives? I think the biggest hindrance to listening is that we think we know beforehand what we're going to hear. If another is a Republican, we know what they'll likely say. If the other is a coworker who we think is lazy, we think we know what they'll likely say. If the other is our spouse, especially if we've been married for a while, we become adept at finishing each other's sentences. We often think we know what they'll say. Maybe the best antidote to listening is letting some of these certainties go. Because we are a people of faith and at the heart of reality is a speaker. And this speaker is infinite. We cannot know ahead of time what this one will say. Part of this is because we cannot see him. We can only approach him with our ears opened wide. Yes, we know this one's voice is the voice of love. But we should let ourselves be stretched and open and surprised as to how this voice might sound. The voice of the Holy One is as mysterious and awesome as the depths of the sea. Those very depths it spoke into being. Listening might not just be the way to save communities there. It might ours too. Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Amen.
please join me in saying 